Hello, I am Amber. I'm Chelsea. And welcome to Politics But Make It Fashion. Come chat with us. Javi Coffee, your daily grind reimagined. Instantly craft any style of coffee in seconds. Get 20% off your next purchase if you use code AMBER48138. Again, the code is AMBER48138. Go to javicoffee.com. Hey guys, and hey. welcome to another episode of Politics But Make It Fashion. Come interview with us. This week, we have a friend of mine, and her name is Jessica Rothschild. So let me tell you a little bit about Jess. So Jessica serves as a Scranton City Councilwoman. She was elected in 2019 and made Scranton history as the first LGBTQ council member. She is a homeowner in the Hill section, um, which is an area in Scranton that looks like San Francisco, guys. And if you ever tried to run down a hill in heels... That's not that's not the place to do it. Um, her and her wife have a two-year-old daughter who is absolutely gorgeous and extremely well well behaved. Um, Jessica works as a physical therapist in outpatient therapy and is a graduate of the University of Scranton with her bachelor's and her doctoral degrees. So welcome, Jessica. Hi, thank you. Super thank excited you for about being here. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, no, I was, I was really happy when, when I heard that Amber was creating this this podcast. And I'm like, oh, it's about politics. And I was always hopeful that uh that I'd be invited on. So really yes. happy to <laughs> chat with you on here today. Okay, Jessica, I have to be really honest with you. That makes me feel like a trillion dollars. That like, you're like, oh my gosh, I hope I'd be invited. Because I know what you mean. There's certain podcasts mm-hmm. where I'm like, if I was ever a guest. Right. <laughs> 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 so um, that means a lot. So thank you for sharing that. And also thank you so much for being here today on this Sunday morning. Is it raining up by you guys? No, it's gorgeous. No, it's beautiful. Oh, okay. It's a little drizzly yeah. over here. But listen, on this on this half beautiful, half drizzly Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica, so I guess what I kind of wanted to first talk to you about is you're, you're young, right? So yeah. when a lot of when we... <laughs> yeah, I'm 33. <laughs> right. I'm young, right? That's young, yes. That's I very still young. That's we're young. All young. Yeah, right. young. How did you get involved in politics kind of at this young age? Because when we think of politicians, normally we think of people who are a lot older. Um, and a lot of times people don't decide to kind of get involved and run for office, whether it's city council or anything, until a lot later in life. So what kind of made you decide that you wanted to do this back in uh, 2019? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so it was a journey. I uh, really didn't grow up with with politics being a part of my life. Uh, but then when I was a student at the University of Scranton, I had gotten into activism uh, for the LGBTQ community. And uh, the, it was Jesuit University, and they still didn't have a, a club for LGBTQ students. And people had been working for a long time to try to get one. And, um, and, and I was able to work on that and help foster that. And we had the first 
LGBTQ group for students on the University of Scranton's campus. And I was president of that uh, for a couple of years until I entered into grad school. And uh, so I was really proud of that work and that really got me out of my shell. And um, I, I just really found myself in that. And I never knew I had like those leadership capabilities and uh, it was just a really great way I felt like to be able to help people in my community. And so I found myself looking for other ways to be able to do that. And I was already like committed to uh, physical therapy school. And, and that was my plan for what my career would be. Right. Uh, and I even there was um, at the time, one of the associate provosts who I was close with, he had said, you know, I really don't picture you as a physical therapist. Why don't you go into like public policy or something like that. <laughs> I was I was like, no, this is this has been decided. <laughs> this is what I'm doing. We're not changing the plan. Right. <laughs> All about plans. So yeah. um so I, I mean I, I I stuck with it, but while uh like while in physical therapy school and then while I was once I was out and working, I served on nonprofit boards, one of them being Equality Pennsylvania, which was a, which was a statewide LGBTQ advocacy organization. And I was on there for like six years. I was president of our C4 board for a few years and helped with like the endorsement process uh, for candidates and elected officials. Uh, I even got to interview Governor Wolf before, oh, nice. before he was governor. And give him like he's very oh, nice. Him and his is. wife yes. are so nice. Yes, they're amazing. Um, you know, we gave him like a list of our demands for the LGBT community, <laughs> and I mean, he followed through with all of them. But wow! Um, so I mean, it was it was a great organization to be a part of, and we were trying to get uh, non discrimination passed on the statewide level. So I mean, that would have change the PA Human Relations Act to offer protections for LGBTQ people in terms of housing, employment, and public accommodation. So that's not a national thing. Only maybe half of the states within the country have those protections within their state, and uh, Pennsylvania is not one of them, because uh, why, <laughs> why should we be? Uh, so we were working very hard for that for a number of years. And uh, yeah. And what yeah. those protections do is, so say you're you're renting somewhere and like, you know, your landlord sees you one night about to go hit the town mm-hmm. and now you're in a different outfit, you know, and now your landlord can kind of just be like, hmm, I, I don't want you to live here anymore. And they can give you an eviction notice. Um, it's really that easy and that simple. I've sadly seen it happen <laughs> to people. Um, and I, and I think a lot of people are still aren't really aware that there is just kind of these gaping holes and protections, uh, for people where you can kind of just lose your apartment or lose your job or whatever, because of your lifestyle that somebody doesn't like, and it doesn't have to be, nothing big has to happen. You know, it can be something just you guys meeting in a hallway, you know what I'm saying? And like, so I think that's really important. It's something that people really don't really understand when we talk about like protections and stuff like that, that it's not, it's not this big 
thing you're thinking in your head like it's just little everyday life stuff that people want to be able to do like have an apartment and it doesn't matter if your landlord likes you who you're dating or not you still have that apartment so I'm sorry Jess but yeah the, no I want to explain that a little bit yeah yeah I mean, it could also sorry to find a quiet place in, in the house but I know the feeling yeah no <laughs> Between the kids and uh, the dogs, we yeah. yeah, all of us have kids and dogs, so uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think we're just gonna be bringing Dylan down to church soon, so that'll take you know one one uh, noise thing away. But um, yeah, so uh, we were talking about um, equality, yeah, not in Pennsylvania, and equality. that could that could mean uh, even for like yeah going into a restaurant like someone um doesn't want a gay couple in in the restaurant and and denies you service like it's really that that yeah. simple and so i i mean why we don't already have those protections uh is beyond me but there was like a lot of focus legislatively for a long time on on marriage on on same-sex marriage and then once marriage equality uh was was ruled on by the supreme court then uh like a lot of people were left like with well you know where do we go next and now the fight is really for for trans people and in protecting protecting them uh but all of this experience i mean that had gotten me into politics because yeah. politics was like a, a necessity like we we needed uh, politics in order to get these rights and protections, and um, and and so I I also realized that we needed more LGBTQ people in politics to have a seat at the table, and that representation was so important. And I worked right. with organizations to help get more LGBTQ people elected, but we still didn't have that representation here in Scranton or like really locally. And um, I felt like someone needed to fill that gap and that person ended up being me. And I also really uh, loved being in Scranton, having made this my home because I'm from New Jersey originally, but whoop, whoop. Whoop. Yeah. <laughs> represent uh, Jersey Shore girl. Uh, yes. But um, yeah, but I Jessica, came- I am in Wildwood right now. <laughs> uh, I'm jealous. No. Me too. <laughs> yeah, no, I do love living here and I love the mountains and I just love how people are here in Scranton. They're, they're just so different and, and welcoming and uh, it's a really great place to raise a family. But I do enjoy going back to the beach too and, and miss yeah, a little bit yeah. of living close to it. Yeah, uh, yeah but I love how both of our um, kind of like interest in politics started off as as part of a club um, at school because that's how mine did too. Um, I got interested in the student veterans on Marywood campus and then later on became the president of that club and stuff. And it's funny, I don't think Chelsea knows this, but when she got to go to public school before I did, so she was able to be... (laughs) in a school that had a bunch of different clubs and stuff. And when we got reunited again um, in high school, I remember her telling me about all of the clubs that she was involved in and stuff from like singing and different things. And I just remember thinking, 
all right, well, when I have the opportunity, I'm going to be like in every single club that I can like possibly be in. So <laughs> I only went to public school one year, my senior year here, but I, I did join a bunch of clubs that year. And then also that kind of carry over to college as well, Chelsea. So thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but one thing I wanted to talk about is Jessica is a mother and um, she has a beautiful little girl and I love that you take your daughter with you everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, it's something that I've done too, out of, mostly out of necessity. But I love that, you know, she's just there and she's involved in everything. And I, I genuinely believe that's what makes a, a really well-behaved child is just because she's so socialized and stuff. But how does that play a part in kind of your activism, your politics and stuff being, being a mom? Well, it, yeah, life as a mom is crazy and having two jobs. Uh, I mean, I work full time in physical therapy and then I have council meetings weekly and uh, uh, events and, and other duties. But uh, yeah, being being a mom, that, that definitely comes first. And uh, it's yeah, it's been it's been different. Uh, when I had her, it was during the pandemic, when I was pregnant, it was during the pandemic. And that was good in a way because a, a lot of things I could do from home and I didn't have to be out in the public eye, um, being, being a, a pregnant woman and an elected official. And uh, so I could, it, you know, I wasn't always feeling uh, great, but right. <laughs> I, I, I was doing Zoom meetings and then I had her and I, I breastfed her for a year and the first few months like exclusively and I was only able to do that because we were still having virtual meetings yeah and I would just tilt my camera up or <laughs> off and hook her on and yeah thing and hey you know, it keeps them quiet and they're happy and mm -hmm. you can get a lot done when you're nursing right <laughs> and then even when yeah once we went back to in-person meetings there were times i had to like in between meetings go and pump in the bathroom and uh so that that was that was especially crazy because now i have like this human that i'm responsible for feeding and uh and you know, dealing with, with politics and in the background of everything. So, yeah. uh, but I, I mean, it just makes me uh, think about her and a lot more of my decisions and what I would want for her or being able to make her proud of me someday um, really helps with, uh, with my motivation for everything. Yeah. yeah. I do remember um, when you were pregnant, we were talking about maternity clothes. Mm -hmm. And um, for <laughs> me, that that actually was a really hard one for me. And I think me and Chelsea talked about that, too, because, first of all, everything is really ugly. Number one, just <laughs> hideous. <laughs> Tense-like. Tense-like hideousness and like all you want is just like a, a t-shirt you know like a mm -hmm. something simple some pants and if you want to add a little bit of flair you can if not like you just you know and I remember you talking about just wanting maternity clothes that were like neutral 
and weren't covered in flowers. Right. Oh God. The, the, <laughs> flow, the flowers, guys. Mm-hmm. All of the floral <laughs> patterns. It's not for everyone. It's not. It's not. Uh, and there wasn't a lot of black, mm-hmm. um, which disappointed me. Mm-hmm. And I ended up not even wearing maternity clothes. I just started buying stuff bigger because everything was really bright um, and I wasn't feeling my best. And I was like, I would love just like a black tunic or something. <laughs> just <to be> there. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yes. Hear that. Yeah. And yeah, thankfully, like with work, I could just. I could get away with like wearing scrubs uh, or I did have some like maternity pants and just like a plain, plain shirt. And so that worked out and then not having to uh, figure out something in terms of suits was really, because I I mostly like I wear suits uh, to, to my meetings and and for formal wear. So I've already got like this androgynous style and uh, so to go from that to like ultra feminine clothes, <laughs> not gonna fly. Like I might be pregnant, but that doesn't make me femme all of a sudden. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so I um, I was able to to get by, and I I had ordered a few different things, uh, but but yeah, not uh, not a whole lot. I didn't have to worry about that. But we do want another child, so I might have to. Uh, get some more things for the future yes yeah so uh so you guys out there small business <laughs> owners and stuff let's have some some <laughs> more neutral androgynous just simple maternity right. clothing for people to uh not be in floral patterns the whole time mm-hmm. <laughs> oh i just that just stuck with me i just remember because <laughs> it's it's a hard time being a being pregnant you know um your body's doing a lot and sometimes all you really just want is is to look nice um and i don't know why i that was so difficult while i was pregnant just to find things where i could just feel really comfortable and and um you know look nice still so yeah that (coughs) i'm sorry guys i have um a cold so what is your with this campaign coming up obviously we just had um the primary election in May, and now we're coming up to the election in November. Do you feel like you have like a, a vision for Scranton um, for the city council that you that you would like to see um, come to fruition or happen? Yeah, I, and I feel like I I went in with a vision four years ago, and I think that we're still working towards that vision because. Uh, four years might seem like a long time, and we have gotten a lot done over that amount of time. But in the world of government and politics, it's 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 not so long. Yeah. Uh, and so I I always felt like we had so much potential here in the city, and we really could could turn it around to become a, a thriving city where a lot of people want to live. And I always wanted to get more college students to stay here after graduating yeah. like I did. I felt like that was really important and to attract a younger population to the city because uh, because we do have a, a lot of older people and once they go, we, we need to <laughs> safeguard our, our population. Uh, 
and we and our, our population has dropped over the years and we're at like 76,000 and yeah. that still might not be the most accurate census and, and and I don't think captures all the people but um uh, but I think we we still have work to do there and uh with uh, along with with more people comes more businesses and I always loved how many local businesses we have and, and yeah. like pop shops and I always try to support them as opposed to the bigger stores and I think it's like a really great place for that and to have startups I really like what the Chamber of Commerce has been doing with their enterprise center which I went to visit a couple of months ago and that was really impressive to me and to see all the people who are like yeah I'm coming like from this state and or this country and I'm like okay why did you choose Scranton that's so interesting to me yeah out of everywhere right I love to to see that and uh, so that's always been uh, like a a larger goal and and vision for me uh, to see that and one of the other big things for me has been the blight throughout the city Mm -hmm. like you just even even when I go back to where my parents live in New Jersey it's it's not like that and and the the roads are are mostly gray and uh, maybe you have like a house here and there that's that's like not well taken care of but I feel like with the city you could like find that on almost every every street yeah and uh, that (laughs) is really frustrating because I know there are a lot of people who do take pride in their homes and where they live and uh, I want to figure out better ways that we could that we could show that that pride for the city and uh, get people to take care of their properties some of it is complicated by out-of-town landlords or absentee landlords who think, oh, like cheap houses we could buy up in Scranton and then, uh, ra- you know, raise the rents and not have to do anything with the place. And yeah, yeah. That um, that we really need to stop. So we're we're steadily making changes. We've made changes in the past for quality of life ordinances. And um, I know there's changes now um, working towards like renting renter protections yes and stuff that i've seen that is so important um and that's why we pushed guys so much for you to get involved in your local elections on because this is really the level where you can really make a difference and make change and stuff so like for me personally um i know you guys have heard me talk about it before my rent went up um three hundred dollars in like two Mm -hmm. months um, and I had another friend whose rent did the same thing. I got a text. She got an email. Um, so something I've been really paying attention here is the rental protection things that's been coming around. And I know that there are people who are working towards it. Um, and these are the people who could fix it is like your people on city council, your mayors, your local people on the ground level. Right. Yeah. So we did like pass a rental registration ordinance. It, like we had one before, but it. Uh, the way that it was written really wasn't effective and it wasn't something that was implemented. We added more code enforcement officers and inspectors who could inspect rental properties, which we like weren't doing before. And uh, that's, that's <coughs> to make sure that, uh, that the properties are safe for people to live in too. Right. And, 
I know, like, I always felt like we had a really affordable city, but now I'm not so sure with, with the way that the rents are going. And I, I do appreciate that there are developers who are either creating new buildings or renovating old ones and uh, adding more, more properties there. But uh, that's, uh, there needs to be like a, a careful balance because because like, you're going to price out the people have, yeah, that live here. Like a lot, right. And that's how like gentrification. Yes. Happens. And uh, I don't, I don't know if there's a city that's really figured out how to, how to stop that. But I, I want to do what, what I can in my power to, uh, to, to limit that and to have that balance and maintain that affordability. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I, I think when you came on to city council for me, that was um, so important for me because I knew that you could see where we needed balance um, and understand kind of where the regular people here in the city were coming from um, with things. And, you know, and, and it's simple things that really just make your city better, being able to afford rent, um, being able to walk around, having cute little mom and pop shops that you can support mm -hmm. you know not popping your tire on the whole on the roads right you know there's there's a, a a lot of different things but i i want to highlight one of the things that you were able to do was to end um conversion therapy here in scranton and um i was in a policy class this last semester at marywood and they were talking about one of our projects was trying to like make a policy happen mm -hmm. and one of some of the the sentiment in the class was kind of like you know well what good is it to do something on this small of a level but i just remember when um when you were implementing that in place and you know and i was just thinking if if this helps three kids who live in this area who now can't be sent to conversion therapy you know and different things that's enough to me you know, it's, and this is the level that we started. And if every small area started doing this, it would just grow and grow and grow and think about how much good we could really do, like all the other things and ways that we could protect the kids um, because they're, they're going through it, you know? And, and I think that this was just one more step. So thank you so much for, mm -hmm. for doing that. That's something that's really, really close to my heart um, growing up evangelical and, being a camp counselor at places that had conversion therapy and stuff, um, being part of the LGBTQ community, mm -hmm. it's something that it, it, it really needs to end and it really means a lot to me. So thank you so much for, for doing that. Of course. Yeah. And I, I think that uh, because I'm an out gay person on, on council and, and in politics that some people out there probably think that my agenda is like all about the LGBTQ community and it's not. I mean, oh, I, I got told that too. Um, when I worked at city hall, they said I only liked black people. So uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, sure. I have that, yeah, that stereotype, which is, which is wrong, but, um, it, but I, I, that doesn't mean I'm not going to help my community out where I can and stand up for them. And so this was one of the ways that I could do that. And so this was always, a, a priority for me and there's other things that I think that we could do too um but uh the uh, most times legislation comes to us from the mayor's office or her administration and then we determine if we're going to pass it or not or amend it and 
but but like we also as council have the power to create legislation ourselves and so this was one of those times that i took it upon myself to create this piece of legislation and like taking from what other cities have done too because we've had other cities and towns within pennsylvania who have who have passed these conversion therapy ban ordinances so what it does is it uh, it just it applies to mental health professionals uh, and it's to prevent them from using the harmful practice of conversion therapy on lgbtq minors so anyone under the age of 18 or they don't even have to be that you know they might not right. lgbtq identifying but but still to use uh conversion therapy and I use therapy very loosely because it's really yes, not therapy. questionable. <laughs> I think there have been so many studies and research over the years that have shown it to be much more harmful than it is helpful. And then to increase the risk for for someone um, you know committing suicide or having depression because of that experience. And uh, I would hate for anyone to uh, to be forced into that here in our city and really I, I mean it needs to be like state law too but that's another thing that uh, right next up we're working for <laughs> so just like with the non-discrimination ordinances we had worked uh, throughout the state to get them in municipalities so there's over 40 municipalities with those ordinances and those protections scranton has been one of them since i think 2003 or 2004 so that's yeah. Uh, and, the, and the discrimination goes towards um, people of color and things as well. Mm -hmm. Sadly, um, I know here in Scranton, there's there's landlords who won't rent to black people, you know, because they don't want those types of people there. So there's definitely, you know, discrimination still touches so many other Oops. aspects of our lives and types of people. It, it's not just specifically black people or LGBTQ people, you know, these when they when this when these protections get put in place they cover everybody <laughs> you know and that's that's something really to just keep in mind when you're fighting when for people you know this is going to cover everybody it's not it's not just for for one group of people right so scranton has like a human relations commission that could take complaints on acts of discrimination on any of those uh different identities that are covered and then uh, move forward with with that investigation and a determination uh, on whoever the discriminator is. Yeah. And uh, so I think that's that's powerful that we have the the ability to do that. Yeah. All right. Well, um, Chelsea, let's have some final thoughts um, for this wonderful interview that we've had. Okay, Jessica, I have two final questions for you sure. so first of the two is what is next for you in terms of your um standing on city council uh yeah so i uh, city council is a four-year term and so i'm up for re-election now and I did win in the primary, but we do have a general view in the gen yay. <laughs> Vote for Jessica. <laughs> yeah. So the general is gonna take on November seventh. And it was it was pretty low voter turnout in the primary, which was which was disappointing. So I wanna try to get as many people out for 
the general as possible. We have other important races like the commissioner's race and like and school board and your local races are now. So we need people to be paying attention. And so that's the that's the biggest thing on my mind. Uh, and uh, if I'm if I'm reelected, then I will continue to, to serve on council and to work on those things that I that I talked about earlier. Uh, but yeah, nothing, nothing else really uh, immediately just enjoying the city of Scranton with with my family. And uh, yeah. Okay, so vote for Jessica. And then the final question we have for you is what is your favorite food? Oh, my favorite food. Ah, um, Listen, we love food over here. We don't yeah, play games for food. Okay. So we need to know, and I feel like the people of Scranton needs to know, oh. if you want to name drop your favorite restaurant as well. <laughs> that's just, uh, I, I am a bit of a foodie, so that's a that's a really hard, really hard ask. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love, I'm a chocolate lover, so Ugh, chocolate I'm yes. not. Yeah, um, but I also I really love like Thai food, Indian Ooh, food, yes, like, just yeah. Asian, oh my. Asian food. Like, yeah, give it to I me. Can't yeah. even talk about it. I can't even <laughs> yeah. talk about I it. I love. I think I do love Asian food. Spice, um, I, anything with a good, you know, good spice to it. Oh. Amen. <laughs> I just made some um, some hot chili oil, Jessica. That is. Did you? It is probably the hottest one I've ever made. My brother got me some dried um, peppers, I believe from like Italy, um, when he was on one of his deployments. And I did um, so that and like some garlic and parsley and different things um, to make a hot oil. And it is, it's hot. I'll have to, I'll have to get you, make you a little jar. Yes. I know you like spicy stuff. Yeah. What did you use it on? Uh, I put it on everything. Okay. Um, I even did, I had a bagel and I did cream cheese, some fresh dill. And then I put some of that on top of nice. it. It was delicious. Yeah. Oh my God. Yum. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. We are definitely foodies over here. So. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, so, so Thai, Thai rock Thai is my Thai restaurant of, of choice in the, in the city. So yep. uh, drunken noodles with shrimp, mm-hmm. uh, spicy. <laughs> Yes, that is my order. Extra spicy. When you go to the Indian place, though, you got to be careful because extra spicy is like, yeah. No, I've literally called back and been like, who eats? Like, this is inedible. This is so spicy. You can't even eat it. And they're looking at me like I'm insane. They're like, what? Not correct. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Jessica, for joining us on this episode of Politics But Make It Fashion. Come interview with us and definitely vote for Jessica in this upcoming election. If you are not registered to vote, make sure you get out there and you get registered and join us for another episode of Politics But Make It Fashion. Come chat with us next Sunday. You can find us on Instagram at Politics But Make It Fashion 1 and TikTok at Politics But Make It Fashion. Chat soon. Bye.